Jesus, Jesus just distinguished the 12 disciples from the other ones, right? And he sent them out. I think it was Ted Young who reminded us that um, they were apostles, which comes from the word apostolos, which means the sent out ones, right? We looked at this miracle of feeding the 5,000, which is a very uh, famous, I think even probably most unregenerate people have heard about Jesus feeding the 5,000. They know that Jesus did this or could have done this or it mentioned that Jesus did this, but this is the only miracle that's mentioned in the Synoptic Gospels and the Gospel of John. It's very interesting. So again, our teaching points today, if you are a note taker, Jesus regarding prayer, getting Jesus right. We're going to see in just a little bit that Peter says that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ of God, as well as looking at, Lord willing, we always run out of time, but you never know, Lord willing, self-denial. Jesus is Christ's way over our way, denying ourselves and what that looks like practically for a Christian. So, let's look. I'm going to go to my Logos app to look at this while we take a ganders at this passage. Follow along with me if you want. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. Let's stop there just for a moment because I think that we could probably come up with a sermon series just based upon verse 18. Now it happened that he was praying alone. How did Jesus view prayer? Was prayer something important to Christ that we see in, in the Gospels? How often do we see Christ withdrawing to be alone and to pray? Do we see that often? We do. So in this same moment, Christ is alone and he is praying. So how important was prayer in the life of Christ? Well, let's look at some other passages. You can follow along with me because I think we must look at this. It cannot be glossed over. What does Luke have to offer about the prayer life of Jesus? Let's look at this just for a moment. The prayer life of Christ. Luke 4.42. Luke 4.42. This passage says that Jesus departed and went into a desolate place. So this doesn't just happen once, right? This happens regularly. Luke 5.16, flip over page. This passage says that he would withdraw to desolate places again and to pray. Luke 6.12, a little bit further down. He went out to the mountain, mountain to pray and all the night he continued in prayer to God. Luke 9, 28, this is a, where we're gonna be next week with the transfiguration. Uh, Brandon, do you have that one? I forget who does. 
it might be Joel, where he took Peter, John, and James, and he went up to the mountain to pray. Let's look at the Gospel of Matthew. Again, what I'm hoping you see is a pattern, and we look at this pattern, and yes, it is inspiration, right? We should, Jesus models his prayer life for us. It is absolutely inspiring to see Christ withdraw and to pray, but we must not leave it there. We must do something with it. Matthew 14, 13. After the death of John the Baptist, Jesus withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Does anyone ever feel guilty about having just a little bit of alone time and prayer time? Feel guilty, moms, if you, like, I need to withdraw to a desolate place for a moment, right? Like, going to this barren, desolate, not busy, quiet, desert place, this is necessary. We see Christ doing this, but he's not doing that so he can do, like, the what is it called? The death scroll. I'm not sure what, it, what it's called. It's just like scrolling, right? This is not doom scrolling, right? This is, this is not good, right? Um, but withdrawing to desolate place, absolutely, to spend time with God is a wonderful thing that we should do, moms and even dads. The crowds pursued him. He didn't despise the crowds, but he retreated and he still had compassion, and he healed their sick. After feeding the 5,000 in Matthew, it says that he dismissed the crowds, went up to a mountain by himself, and he prayed. I'm gonna work through these pretty fast now. In the book of Mark, Jesus slipped away early in the morning. He didn't go to the local church or synagogue whenever he slipped away. He didn't tuck himself into his prayer closet, right? Awesome if you have one of those. Although he could, he went to a place that wasn't showy. He went to a place that wasn't busy. It was unoccupied, and he prayed. There's this one passage I remember. I believe it's in Mark chapter 1. Jesus withdraws to a desolate place or to a quiet place. He prays, and then Peter comes and finds him, and he goes, everyone's been looking for you, right? Can you, Jesus is like, cool, I've, I've been praying, right? Um, people need me, I realize that. And we can't mistake that, right? People need Christ, Christ healed, Christ taught, he preached the gospel, but we still see Christ withdrawing to a desolate place and he prayed to the Father. He communed with the Father. This is a wonderful example that Christ is modeling for, for us, as I said, Jesus also prayed with others, right? We, we've seen this already. I'm gonna work through these points pretty quickly. He laid hands on children. He prayed for them. He prayed for people whenever he casted out demons. On the night before he died, he said to, pre, to Peter these words, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. So Christ not only withdraws and prays with the Father, but he also praise for his people so application 
we could go immediately, and I've already mentioned it just a little bit. If Jesus prayed this way, then we ought to pray this way as well. Now, many would say, well, well Dennis, we, Jesus and his disciples didn't have the distractions that we do today. And because they didn't doom scroll, they didn't have that capability, things were easier for them. Here's the thing. Like, they might have not had social media, but there were plenty of distractions that plagued people in those days. All right, we, we have our distractions now that keep us busy, and oftentimes whenever we do something, it's like, I remember Audie mentioning these words. It might have been whenever we used to meet on Saturday mornings for men's, not men's prayer, but like men's discipleship, uh, I would say, you know, back in the day. And he would go, oftentimes whenever I would sit down to pray, I would have a notepad right beside me because inevitably as I pray, sometimes we do fall asleep, right? Sometimes that happens whenever we pray, right? Um, but something comes to my head that my brain's like, don't forget this, don't forget this. And instead of leaving his time of prayer and going and doing it, he just wrote it down so he wouldn't forget about it and then he would go back and pray. I'm like, that is a wonderful example, um, Audie, for us. Um, but how oftentimes, whenever, if we justify not having any kind of prayer time or even um, a longer moment with the Lord, um, it's because we're justifying our busyness. Is, is busyness a good thing in, y- in y'all's mind? Hey, Abs. What do you think, Tim? So you think that they're busier back then than what we are now? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So they were busier back then. We are busy now. Suffice to say, no matter what kind of business there is, Christ still wants us to pray. Christ still wants us to spend time with him in prayer. Um, Take note from Audie's example. If your brain is telling you, Ronnie, don't forget to feed the dog, continue with your prayer time, write down on a piece of paper on your handy-dandy notepad, Ronnie, feed the dog, and then feed the dog later. Spend your time with the Lord. I'm so thankful for Audie and that example because I use it to this day. So, We could go immediately there. If Jesus prayed this way, then we also should pray. But I think it's more important for us to understand there is an emphasis on prayer instruction in Scripture. So it's not not only, hey, we see this example by Christ in in the amount of times that he prayed, but what I think is important for us to see is, number one, we're gonna go to the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6 that there is an emphasis on prayer, on even how to pray. So not only do we have the method, not, not really just the example, but we have a methodology, right? We, we have um, an example on how to pray, how Christ even wants us to pray. So we're not gonna go into a full exposition of Matthew 6. I believe Joel preached this sermon. Um, I believe it was whenever we were in Mark on the Lord's Prayer, 
But let's go to Matthew 6. Let's take a look at this method of prayer. Who would like to read Matthew 6, 5 through 13? Thank you, sir. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Brian. So, what we have here, guys, is a methodology. Did, did anyone in the past, or even present, if they're willing to um, admit, um, I don't like to pray in front of other people. I don't really know how to pray. I'm not teasing you. Okay, good. Like we have somebody who, I mean... And I, I, I used to be the same way until I was discipled by a pastor at another church who used almost like a methodology similar to what we see in the Lord's Prayer. And I, I believe Brandon used this very often in his prayers. Uh, who knows what um, the acronym ACTS stands for regarding prayer? Go ahead, Gil. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Does anyone try to model, use this same kind of model in prayer whenever you're praying? Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, 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 it's a formula, it's a method. Is it a must? No, absolutely not. It's not a must. Um, but it does absolutely help. Number one, it helps um, reorient our gaze onto whom the one we are praying, right? Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. It's giving praise and adoration to the Father whom we're praying to. Again, we're not going into an exposition, but what I want us to understand is not only do we have a model of prayer in the life of Jesus, but also we have a methodology for prayer. Like everything is laid out so beautifully in God's word to help us. Not only do we have a methodology, but we have a command to pray. Or well, Jesus first, Jesus knew that his followers would pray. Someone read for me, if you would, Mark 11, 24 through 25. Mark 11, 24 through 25. Again, the teacher in me, I remember Miss Sharon, um, who's teaching right now, she, my, my last time that I preached, she, she left me a voicemail. She goes, Dennis, this is Granny. And she goes, um, you're getting better with your preaching. And I'm like, praise be to God. And she, and she goes, but you're, pre you're preaching as a teacher. And you're like, you're, 
you're introducing your points a lot, which is fine. You know, I've got to make sure my students understand, Miss Sharon. But I, I, so I, I, love, I love that woman. She is a blessing. Um, and it's really good advice. I mean, yeah. But anyway, so to point to our points, again, again, we have Jesus modeling his prayer life, a methodology on how to pray. He knew that his followers would pray. Who can read for us that Mark 11 passage? Mark 11, 24 through 25. Ronnie, you want to take it? Sure. Thank you. Therefore, I tell you, all things you pray and ask for, believe that you have received them, and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, so your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoings. Wonderful. So we have even not only the model of his life, not only the methodology, we also have Jesus' expectation that his followers would pray. Again, we're looking at Jesus and prayer. Are we commanded to pray? Yeah, I see some heads nodding. Okay, we are commanded to pray. I'm gonna read some of these really quickly. Mark 14, 38, watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. Matthew 5.44, pray for those who persecute you. Luke 6.28, pray for those who abuse you. Matthew 9.38, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. So we have, again, the teacher in me wants to repeat myself because whenever you repeat myself, I'm letting the students know what's going to be on the test, but there's no test, or is there? Life is the test, friends. So, we have Jesus modeling his prayer life for us. We have the methodology. We have the expectation that Jesus has that his followers and disciples would pray, as well as the command to pray. So knowing all these things, we mentioned just a second ago, what often stops us? What often stops you in your prayer life? Is it always busyness? Is it forgetfulness sometimes? Far be it for us, we've heard Joel mention many times that, and I had this conversation with myself just the other day about something, and, and a good reminder where it's, you know, Dennis thinks that Dennis is on his throne and Dennis is gonna have things his way. And usually whenever Dennis thinks that he has his things his way, his way are, is so far beyond God's way that I'm not even considering prayer like I have to remind myself all the time which is I even hate admitting because one of the things I do at Grace Covenant Church is ministry of the word and prayer like I struggle with this too guys what often stops us from praying call it spontaneous spiritual amnesia spontaneous spiritual amnesia yeah Oh, yeah. I wanted to point out Thessalonians 5.17. What's that say? A real short verse you could memorize easy. Pray constantly. Yeah. Pray without ceasing. Yeah. yeah. What version is that? Holman. Holman. Nice. That's an interesting verse because it was, I think the original word is actually pray continually, mm. not continuously. Mm -hmm. Continuously means something you do once a week on a regular basis. Continually means without ceasing. Mm -hmm. The way we read. Yeah. Does anyone ever begin a prayer 
and not perhaps of busyness or any other bad reason, it's like you pick up with that same prayer just a little bit later, it's like, and you think to yourself, maybe this is what praying continuously is. Wow, yeah. What else stops us, guys? And what has not only stopped you, but what has helped you? Like, I want this to be like a brief moment of discussion where you can encourage another brother and sister in Christ with what helps you remember. We, all, we already heard something that Pastor Audie used to do, a wonderful reminder for us to keep a little notepad by our bedside table, if that's where, you know, where we pray. Outside. outside helps you? Wonderful. Does anyone have a lot of windshield time in their commute? Okay. Do you guys often use that windshield time to, I mean, I would have to because something happens within me, Lynn, whenever I get um, in traffic. Something happens. <laughs> Why do I do the things that I do and the things that I want to do that I don't? That's when you use that verse that says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Yeah. Watch, watch to not rear end another person. That's good. I want to give you this quote by um, um, Kevin DeYoung as I glance over there at Abigail Admiral, and this is one of her daddy's favorite people. This is what he has to say about busyness. For most of us, it isn't heresy. It's not rank apostasy that will deny or derail your profession of faith. It's all the worries of life. You get car repairs. Your water heater goes out. The kids need to see a doctor. You haven't done your taxes yet. <clears throat> your checkbook isn't balanced. You're behind on thank you notes. I wish that was one of my reasons. You promised your mother you'd come over and fix a faucet. You're behind on wedding planning. Your boards are coming up. You have applications to send out. Your dissertation is due. Your fridge is empty. Your lawn needs to be mowed. Your curtains just don't look right. Your washing machine keeps rattling. This is life for most of us, he says. He goes, busyness does not mean that you're a faithful or fruitful Christian. It only means that you're busy, just like everyone else. And like everyone else, your joy, your heart, your soul are in danger. He says we need the word of God to set us free. And I'm gonna add something else there. We need the word of God and we need communion with our Holy Father. If we could only make an appointment, parentheses with prayer. Again, understanding and seeing how Christ modeled his prayer life, understanding that there is an expectation of prayer. He helps us, giving us even a model of prayer, as well as he commands us to pray. Friends, may we, with the Lord's help, play place a higher emphasis on prayer as our Lord Jesus Christ did. But remembering that Jesus in Hebrews 7.25 lives to make intercession for his people, like I want that to be an encouragement to you. Like as you were dealing with not only the busyness of life but the difficulties of life, and somehow you were thinking that my prayer life is important, but still somehow it is up to me. There's this one quote that I really don't like, but that I used to love whenever 
I was a, I'm not going to say baby Christian, but man, my theology was not very good back then, guys. But it's by a Christian author. He goes, um, work as if it depends upon you and pray like it depends upon God. Do you see that? It like, it's a terrible quote, but people in the, I'm not gonna say the prosperity, but just it's, it's, it's not a good quote because God works out all things according to the counsel of his own will. Like everything is up to God, right? The, even the minutia, R.C. Sproul, like there is no rogue mo- uh, molecule in existence that's outside the control, sovereign control of God, like, like he is in control. And prayer isn't used to somehow help us have more control. What's prayer used for? Is it to change God? Is it to change his plans? Is it to change his mind? What's the purpose of prayer? We know that it's commanded. We see it in scripture modeled. Jesus tells us how to pray. What's the purpose of prayer? What say you? To align ourselves to God's will, I like that. Is it to change God or is it to change us, right? To transform us, to be holy, more dependent upon him. And as we are more dependent upon him, what is happening to us as we seek his face and as we're praying and as we're dealing with life difficulties and even business and things are breaking down and families are sick and I just got a bad report from the doctor and I am trying to rejoice. God enable me to rejoice and I'm going to God in prayer. What is happening to you at that moment? Sanctification. Amen. Like God is conforming you in that dependency to look more like Christ. So again, prayer is something that we should do. And again, this lesson is not all about prayer. It seems like it is, but I'm moving on right now at this point. So, Peter identifies Christ as what? Who do you say that I am? What does Peter say? Someone remind us. You are the Christ of God. Very good. So, does it matter... And of course, I'm begging the question here. Does it matter that we get Jesus right? Is getting Jesus right a matter of life or death or heaven or hell? Absolutely. How many of us saw the Super Bowl? Yeah? Okay, wonderful. How many of us, and you probably, this has probably been discussions at your dinner table or on your Twitter account, the He Gets Us ads? Ooh, I've heard some, yeah, I'm with you. All right, so do you feel the creators of that content, do they get Jesus right? Are they portraying Jesus right? What say you? Whether or not you like it or not, whether or not it's good for the church, I mean, we're gonna talk about that, hopefully, but do they get Jesus right, Brian? Marty, no? okay. Yeah, let's, let's look at that. So in even this example, in my opinion, a poor example, Jesus is more so of a social justice warrior. He is a social justice Jesus, okay? This is what their website reads on He Gets Us. How did the story of Jesus, the world's greatest love story, 
get twisted into a tool to judge, harm, and divide? How do we remind people that the story of Jesus belongs to everyone? These questions are the beating heart of he gets us. Is anyone in here marketing? Marketing majors, people who do marketing? No? All right, so this was a, Rodney, this is a marketing attempt, right? We see this in a commercial. I remember, as I am death scrolling, again, don't, it's, it's easy to say, not easy to do, guys. Doom scrolling. What did I say again? Yeah. Same thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> as I'm, I love football, right? I'm, it's not my favorite sport. I love basketball, but I watched the Super Bowl with my boy, and, because um, he, he, he loves all sports, and you know, we're watching this ad, and I remember doom scrolling got around that time, Ryan, and people were, some of my friends on Facebook were like, yeah, Jesus, he gets us, right? It's like, that wasn't my response, but that's your, that's your response, okay. And I really didn't know about this ad, but apparently it was in the Super Bowl last year, I think, right? Okay. Um, but again, some people loved it, but... This is what I want us to say. I want, I, want to, I want to poke holes in this Jesus just for a minute. Then I want to talk about why it's important to get him right. So this is what one person says about the he gets us Jesus. Jesus is presented as an example, an unbiblical example of one who affirms sin. Not the one who took upon himself human flesh, born as a little baby in Bethlehem, before his incarnation, was enthroned in heaven, worshiped by angels, obeyed the Father perfectly, died a criminal's death, atoning for the sins of countless people, and today seated at the right hand, clothed in glorified flesh, complete with scars of his crucifixion. So, again, from one commentator, what he is going to in this quote and what he is talking about is Jesus we must get him right. And how this portrayal of Jesus depicted him is not right. It is not the biblical Jesus. Therefore, if this is a marketing attempt by supposed Christians to point to Christ, to bring people to Christ, are they bringing people to the right Christ? And are they bringing to a people to a right Christ that can even save? Do the Mormons believe in Jesus? They do. Does that Mormon Jesus save? Why doesn't that Mormon Jesus save? Who, who knows Mormonism? Yeah, he, he's, he, he's, a, he, he's, he's not God. He is a man. What, what's that? He was a created being, absolutely. He was brothers with Lucifer. Right, the Mormon Jesus, many would conclude, well, well, if I'm evangelical and the Mormon Jesus, that Jesus can't save. But again, the way that we see Jesus depicted by our culture, this Jesus cannot save as well. This commentator continues, the world doesn't need a nice social worker who can come serve the needs of humanity. The world doesn't need an inclusive ecumenical rabbi figure to affirm humanity. The world needs Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. The world needs the message that Jesus came to preach. What was that message? And believe the gospel. So, again, trusting in any other Jesus aside from the biblical Jesus 
cannot save, just like the Mormon Jesus cannot save. Getting Jesus right is a matter of life or death, heaven and hell. So, I will, I have another point, guys, about denying yourself, but it would be rushing and I have like four minutes. So, questions or comments, cries of outrage, as Andrew used to say. No? Okay. So, again, thinking about this passage in Luke regarding Jesus and prayer, right? Just because you're busy, you're not special because everyone else is busy. They were busy in the first century. Their disciples were busy. Busyness is not a good excuse to not have a prayer life. Jesus models his prayer life. Jesus commands us to pray. He expects his followers to pray. Jesus even helps us give us a methodology to pray, as well as getting Jesus right. Any Jesus that is not the biblical Jesus cannot save, and far be it for us to give even another message besides repent and believe the gospel. Um, Do you have anything to say, Ronnie? No? Good. No, you're good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time this morning, Lord, it, uh, it flew by. Father, help us to understand of your desire for your people to pray. Lord, help us to remember that while we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, while you do desire and command your people to pray, Lord, we serve a mighty God who is at the right hand of the Father who lives to make intercession for his people. Lord, the work that you began isn't dependent upon our prayer life, even though you do desire and command us to pray. But Father, you will, what you began, this work in us, you will bring it to completion based upon your sovereign plan, your faithfulness and your goodness for your people. Lord, we're so thankful for these promises. Lord, we're so thankful for the biblical Christ who is compassionate with the crowds, who does serve needs, who does heal the sick, who does cast out demons, but who also came and proclaimed the message to repent and to believe the gospel. Father, we thank you for opening the eyes of all those in this room This morning, thank you for regenerating our hearts, helping us to see our desperate need for Jesus Christ, the biblical Christ, the biblical Jesus. Thank you for helping us to see him more clearly. Lord, thank you for helping us to see the weight of our sin. Father, thank you that Christ lives to make intercession for his people. Even whenever we do not know how to pray or what to pray, Lord, your Son and even your Spirit intercede on our behalf. We're so thankful for that, Father. Help us to remember to make time for you, to withdraw to a desolate place, to spend time with you and not feel guilty about that. We love you. We thank you so much for Christ. Thank you for his sacrifice and his love for us. In his name we pray, amen.